This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by Intercom. Intercom is the business messaging platform that does the manual work for you, automatically qualifying leads and scheduling demos. Their chatbot and messenger free you up to focus on prospects that you're most likely to convert. You can leave your pipeline to chance or you can use Intercom. Start for free at intercom.com slash growth. That's intercom.com slash G-R-O-W-T-H. Growth. Let's start the show. For Thursday, May 10th, 2018, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. You know, I wish we had our Nintendo Labo and Switch, the piano here, because mm. I bet we could play along with that intro music with the Labo next week. I'll have to remember. <laughs> Thank you. I'll have to remember to do that. Welcome. Thanks, thanks for the listener who suggested that we <laughs> messed up in our Infinity War spoilers last week by not playing that noise. Oh. Sounds like a snap. Yeah. Ooh. Good call. Good call, listener out there. Welcome to this week. How's everyone doing? Jeremy Williams. Um, I am sleepy. I, w- I woke up actually this morning at four a.m. didn't oh. get didn't get back to sleep. Ooh, insomnia. Well, it was a nightmare. I dreamt my house was invaded by snakes and large lizards. Why All did right. it have to be oddly snakes? specific? I don't know, like Indiana Jones. I don't know. And then I was trying to fan them away, and they weren't having it. <laughs> That's not how you get rid of snakes, dude. <laughs> and then I got bit by a rattlesnake. Woke up. Wow. I screamed in my dream, and in real life, I said, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> woke up my wife, and then the next three hours. Lying awake, thinking about it. snakes. Exactly. Sure, hurry. Hope you had a better morning than that. My face is cold. Yeah. Oh, I clean lost some weight. and cold. Well, it's not clean shave. I still have a beard. It's just a shorter beard. It was just time. I, it was. What keep, prompted this? I kept getting food caught in it. Oh, yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. If when you had let that go, how how big could it have gotten? There's no limit, technically. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? I mean, the limit is my lifespan. Yeah. yeah, I guess it just gets denser, maybe not longer. It's it, volume-wise, it's like cube, right? I was already dealing with some weird behavior. It started to get wavy, mm-hmm. a little out of control. All right, enough of the chit chat. Let's jump to our top story this week. Top story this week. So. This past week, we had three big developer conferences from three of the biggest technology companies in the world. Of course, last week, we touched a little bit about Facebook's F8 conference. And then this week, same time, we had Microsoft Build and probably more relevant to you out there, Google I.O. Why do these events all happen at the same time? Are they forcing developers to choose? Are you gonna, or we just want to make it tough on tech journalists? Maybe they're just trying to condense it all so that if you're a developer on all platforms... Just like two weeks, and then you're done. I don't think you're done. Isn't That's something it just begins. about the Christmas cycle eventually. Like, it's all in prep for the new product that comes out in six months, 
that all the developers need to get on board for so they can sell a lot of things at the end of the year. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah, great. That's a, that's a good theory. Apple, of course, does theirs a little bit later. They can hold their own WWDC event and, and hold the spotlight. I don't think anyone wants to compete with that necessarily. Uh, but I think the biggest of the developer conference in this past week has to be Google I.O., which this, is massive now. Yeah, I mean, they take up a whole, you know, music vet concert venue. Shoreline Amphitheater down in Mountain View. Did they always use that? They they hadn't until... They, they a couple had years used, ago. Yeah, until they'd used Moscone for a long time and yeah. then moved over to Shoreline. And, and now it's... Gonna, yeah, it's, it's it's an event. It's a festival. They, yeah, they don't just code. use the stage. They have the whole grounds for, yeah. the, for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was my favorite Google I.O. from the past few years, even though they didn't launch any you know, products per se, um, in the way they've launched hardware in the past. Uh, I, I think the developments here m- felt more um, meaningful to my everyday life. You are the Android user on the cast. Cast, so, ooh, we're a cast. Let's go talk about the announcements from Google I.O. Where do you want to start, Shore? I mean, we, we should just talk about Zoomed Out. This was about AI. Starts our computer. It was AI from beginning to end, integrated through every single product stream that they talked about mm. and underpinning that was i mean Sundar talked about this a lot was these new cloud-based chips the tpu 3.0 we have no basically no information about them at this point except they're a lot more powerful than and, the tpu 2.0 and they're water-cooled yeah they're water-cooled <laughs> that was pretty cool he's like the first time our servers are water-cooled uh so i i'm interested in some more of the technical details on on how much information that these can handle but I think this, I mean, all I really want to say about that is that signals probably the shift that is happening right now to stronger and stronger cloud-based uh, computational power uh, in order to drive some of the, the future software development uh, that we're seeing, which basically makes it hard to compete with Google and Apple because of how much infrastructure it, it will take. So these TPUs, um, they say, are eight times more powerful last year than last year's units. With a hundred petaflops in performance, yeah, that's I mean, a lot. That's a lot of flops. That is a lot of flops. These numbers out of context don't mean much, though. Yeah, yeah. So, but it means that you know they're designed for machine learning. All of their backend architecture is designed to process the data and get better without manual coding. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you want to start? There's so many places. I think. Well, uh, what's prob- the... probably the natural place to start is assisted. Yeah, it felt like a lot of a lot of the upgrades were to how you use the OK Google service and how you interact with that service with your phone or your web browser. I, I'll just quickly put in that I agree with Kevin Durant that there should be a Yo Google. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, I I am not a big user of Google Assistant in the in the way of like holding down the home button on Android and actually bringing up the assistant to do much more than adding things to my calendar or setting reminders. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what we got in the assistant specific arena um, was that uh, it has changed uh, over to a add more voices. There's six voices available. I don't know if that John Legend thing was a joke or not. Yeah. That felt like a joke. Mm. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's true. Really? I think it's true. That's pretty People are reporting though. it as if it's it's it was not a, a joke. And the, part of the voices are a show off of some new wave tech where they they've yeah. reduced the amount of time necessary to encode human voices so that they can be reproduced. Does yeah. that mean that one day you'll be able to like write a sound booth and go through all the phonemes and say your quick brown fox sentences and and over and over again, and I, then you will have your voice be 
your own assistant voice? That's I don't halfway, see why not. Halfway to Black Mirror. I would never want my own voice to be my assistant. That would be creepy. But there are lots of other people in my life that I would like to be well, my assistant voice. You you could have your voice call the salon. Exactly. To make a hair exactly. You would want your voice, maybe not the voice to talk to you, but like, you know, Google, use my voice to book an appointment. Yeah. And and then it would do that because that is a real technology. This is probably the demo that blew most people away. Google, call my mom and wish her happy birthday. Wow. Um, hi, mom. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so let's for people who didn't watch the the the, uh, the keynote, what is this duplex feature? What is this new assistant feature? Well, duplex is basically the idea that uh, it built on something they mentioned early in the in the uh, presentation, which is that. Uh, assistant now can handle more natural language conversation. So it can process multiple tasks. It can converse more naturally. They showed a few demos of that. And then it built to this point where uh, they made a phone call. The assistant made a phone call to an actual business with a real person. The first one was a hair salon. The second one was a restaurant. And they showed us raw sound of the uh of the actual phone call and from the user perspective from yours and my perspective we're, all we're doing is telling the assistant telling your phone essentially to hey make me an appointment for at the hair salon for 5 p.m or something and it really does act as a personal assistant would he, here's an example of one of the phone calls hi i'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client um i'm looking for something on may 3rd Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. pretty sure, impressive. what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. There, have a great day. Bye. There's so right, much to let, let's, let's, let's unpack that. Okay, so first of all, let's assume <laughs> the assumption is that that's a real phone call. I think right? it was a real phone call. Okay. And then obviously, uh, even if that was a real phone call, my bet is that Google engineers had called this place before and known the basic operating procedure of the receptionist. I disagree. I bet you they called a bunch of hair salons. Sure, a bunch and, of hair Exactly. And, and aggregated the kind of conversation you have at that type of business. In that type of business is important. A place where there is a receptionist whose job is to essentially follow a script and to provide data and to take in, receive data and provide information um, as simplistically as possible. You're saying that you think that Google engineers called salons and then applied computer learning to all of those recordings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and built into the system knowing that when you call a place like a salon or when you call a place where you would book an appointment, the person who picks up the phone, assuming they're not a robot, requires certain information and has these things that can, you know, these pathways. Uh, but even though that may be the case, the natural language output was impressive. Well, I felt like the actual speech itself didn't sound synthesized. 
it sounded recorded. There was only one moment like where spliced. where there was the pause between 10 a.m. and and there was like PM? 12 p.m. that felt like a literal unnatural. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, it felt incredibly, almost creepily natural. Yeah. So well, does it matter though? So this this only matters if businesses don't want to talk to robots, right? If I'm a, if I'm if I'm working at a business that takes appointments, like. Isn't it just better to have it all done in a back end where it's all open table style? But that make was the reservation. That was Sundar's point is that most small businesses, and he, he gave some number I can't recall, don't have that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So what's cheaper? Is building it to, infrastructure or build into he, what humans are used to? Uh, so at some point, if you're working at a small business, you're getting a lot, you potentially, you know, maybe half your phone calls are from robots. And you may know that. Is that bad? It's not bad, but then you don't need the ums. You don't need it to sound human. <laughs> you don't need you the just mm-hmm. know that when you're picking up, like, you know you're taking a robocall for an appointment. Yeah, you could be more efficient that way. Exactly. Once you get used to it. Yeah. The ums are only for the benefit of, 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 of you right now. They're a stopgap. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. Like, there's no point in sort of tricking, quote unquote, the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person. Because the tricking actually opens the door for problems. Because if if it, the expectation on both sides is, I'm gonna have my robot call you, you're a real person. The robot's gonna give you this information, and it can. It's it's like the it's the opposite of dialing um, Comcast support and getting the robot. Here, the robot's calling you. But you're diving to the future because that's not the expectation on anyone who's answering the call. So you're saying right now it, it's 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 social engineering. Yeah, yeah, and it's the Turing test. Because they have to, they have to sell it. That it has to sound like a like a human in order to work. You think there'll be any social backlash? I, I don't think they're trying to sell the person on the other side of the phone. I think they're selling us the, that the service that we're opting into is going to get us the results we want. Mm-hmm. And in a way, um, I would I would more believe that it would get the results I want if the information was not confusing. If it wasn't trying to trick well, the, the receptionist, you're half robot, Norm. <laughs> Come on. If I'm making a phone call, I'm giving them, I don't need the small talk. I don't need ums and, and uhs. I'll need, give you the exact information I need, and all I need right. is confirmation. There needs to be a back door then, like to activate efficiency mode. So, you know? Operator, <laughs> like non-operator. Like the receptionist knows that it's it's a robot, and like zero, zero, zero. Yeah. And then the robot just switching the, let's let's pull the facade away. Right. Here's information. <laughs> 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Yes, no, Lisa. <laughs> okay, all right. So I know we're in the weeds on this, but like going back to the core of what this is, uh, is this an efficiency that uh, excites you? I mean, there's the technology underpinning, which is exceptional to have this kind of natural language. I don't trust it. I don't trust it because in this, in this early stage, if I'm a user, um, I I know that the dream is to ask the assistant, book me a haircut for somewhere between 10 and 12 on that day, and then just pops up in my calendar, whatever they booked. I want it to be a little more transparent. I want to be able to say, like you can on the Alexa app, pull up the, the what it thinks it heard from you. I want to see the transcript or hear the phone call and be able to pull that up just to make sure everything was okay. Exactly. I disagree. I love the. Uh, I was thinking about it in the restaurant context, and the next phone call is one to a restaurant. And what's even more impressive about that is that there's a language barrier. Oh, it's like not English as the first language. You yeah. heard it, right? Let's, let's, let's go play it. Okay. Hello, how may I help you? 
Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. Four people when? Um, Today, tonight? Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, actually we reserve for like, after like five people. For four people you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? For when tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the 7th. Oh, no, it's not too busy. You, you, you can come for four people, okay? Oh, I gotcha. Thanks. Bye-bye. So your point still stands. The I gotcha is probably not necessary. There are so many. Let's unpack this yeah. conversation. There are so many fallback scenarios. You could tell the robot was getting to a point where it was probably confused and, and falling back to basic information. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I gotcha is probably code for... I can't process this conversation enough. Let's hang up, and I'm going to report maybe a failure and the best of I, information I can get to my master. I was impressed because I actually covered the screen mm -hmm. and uh, where the text was yeah. and tried to just listen to that phone call. I'm not sure I would have done better than the robot in that right. situation. I think you probably would have been more patient. I think patience is something that the robot, how do you, how do you let the robot know to, would I have been? I'm not sure about that. I think there's there's a lot of that in, in social communication, just a lot of just waiting and being understanding. And the robot jumped in there, interrupted when she said, when, Wednesday? Like the confusion with Wednesday and when. And the robot just went, mm. uh, next Wednesday. Like just, just threw information out there because that's the only way the robot can it can get get something back is it needs a it needs to have output but this strikes me as utility like uh, a haircut appointment like that's something i do like a few times a year like mm -hmm. you know five six times a year let's say restaurant booking that's something i do much more often and a lot of the places that i go still don't have like open table back end are, are you kidding me I think the restaurants would prefer you use the back-end systems. For, it's like, more efficient for thing. them. But I think they there's never so many, want to like, pick up the phone. no, no. There's so many places that don't have that back-end, that don't have websites at all, that don't have... It costs money to do open table. It costs nothing. It's the analog hole to take a phone call. They're always going to have a phone. It's a waste of the restaurants and the employees' time to take the phone call. I feel like phone calls to... But that phone exists. They I, have a person there that I, does this. I feel like the, the phone exists mostly for people to say... No, we're booked. Like it's only at the last resort. The phone call it feels like the last resort for restaurants. I think I think you live in in a different world. There's I think a majority of restaurants still don't have that kind of back end. Mm. Like your the best Chinese restaurant in in our area is mm -hmm. Santung. Yep, doesn't have a back end yep. system at oh, all. God, this would fail miserably. It's Put one my of name those, on the like, whiteboard. We are, we are, we like, we don't take reservations, but you can write your name on the whiteboard. Put my name on the whiteboard. I, I would I would be very impressed <laughs> to see Google manipulate the Santung reservation system. Mm -hmm. But social I, engineer out of that name drop. It is name a drop. It is a massive feat to bring that level of understanding. Yeah. I think your point of like whether it's going to be this consistent, whether I trust it or not. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that bears out as they as they scale. But if this is the promise. I, this I is want a the service system. I would use. I, the real social engineering would be if the, you gave the robot like a buffer, like you make a reservation, and here's like here's point oh oh five Bitcoin that you can slide the, their way to to get me a higher on the list. 
I, I'm thoroughly impressed. I would do this in a heartbeat if this functionality was was live. You've got to be impressed with the I, technology, I, right? I'm impressed by the process, the language processing. Yeah. Uh, the, I, you mean the speech recognition? The speech recognition and the speech output to some extent. I think. I don't think that's synthesized. I think that that is spliced. I don't think that it's synthesized in the same way that Google Voice is. Because it doesn't sound anything like their voices. So it, you think it's a, a library it sounds of more phrases. Natural. Yeah. And they recorded the phrases and then combined. So as opposed to individual words, it's phrases. Who can say, but that's what I think. Okay. I agree with you that I want the, uh, the recording or the transcript so that I can verify yeah, exactly. either the failure or the success. Right, right. I, I'm calling to apologize on behalf of my robot. <laughs> right. The robot completely misunderstood what I said. I don't want it at 5 p.m. I want it at 5 a.m. <laughs> Sorry for my robot. <laughs> I don't. I, for me, the the where my mind Im, uh, immediately went was all the times I have to call uh, companies and be on like like Comcast and oh yeah, like, you all those places. Skip the hold, on hold period entirely. Ex exactly. That's hmm. what struck me because like making restaurant reservations, making haircut appointments, those aren't huge time sinks. Could this is imagine? like an efficiency, but those are massive time sinks. Cancel so, my Comcast. Oh, that would oh, that would be whoa. amazing. But there you go. Even if the ro even if the robot was just a a partial um, entry, like it would have the conversation to get you to a live person. Please and hold then, for Mr. And, Williams. Yeah, and yeah. then cut content. That would be an amazing innovation. What about the other way around? I mean, you know, robocall devices have worked for businesses for a long time now. Why does do you think Google has the similar service on the flip side for the restaurant, for the hair salon to receive calls and put people in their database? They it, did it say, make a lot of sense. They did say that this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but that the first use of this technology will be to <clears throat> verify holiday hours for businesses and update. I uh, thought that was so smart. Google Maps or places or whatever. Yeah, Google Maps, yeah. basically. Uh, so they would automate calls to every business yeah. in their database and ask for holiday hours. Yeah. That's a simple, I, I think uh, that is super smart. And then it will say closed or open appropriately. On the data, Confirmed. on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is phone calls at scale, right? If you think about like, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you would have asked a, 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 a plucky startup to, you know, we're going to call every business in, in the area and, and update our data, update their uh, the open times and, get in, and and build out the Yelp database. That would be people making they, calls. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Google just press a button and they can make right. 100,000 <laughs> phone calls in half an hour all at the same time and update it nonstop. Just like hackers in the 80s with that, their modems. It, it's, it's a scale that it's beyond what we think is human scale. Which is that? I think it's super cool. All right, what else from Google I/O? Yeah, the AI didn't stop there. The next thing was uh, in Google Photos. They had one tap AI corrections of photos. Never going to trust that. Yeah, and I I figure that for you. You're like a photo mega user. Yeah. Right. And you Brighton do photo does not mean the same for everyone. No, I get that. But you're a Lightroom user. You're mm -hmm. going to have your own sort of and like basically a professional photographer. Like you're going to have your own way of wanting to do that. But for the average user, would you would you use those those corrections? I might because um, the beautiful thing about the Google Photo Library is that it's all of your photos. So like I scanned in all of my old like hard photos, and it's in that service. If I can do one tap corrections on old photos, yeah. that's a really useful service. I now. think correction is subjective. 
<laughs> so okay. that, that's that's where I would find them. I think at, at fault. I think if you find something that's objective, like the, the phrase or colorize, yeah. you know, then that's a feature. And it's something they're doing too, right? All the black and white photos that you have, they would add color to them. It's not so different than what Apple's doing with portrait mode, except this is doing it for your library. Well, Apple has a magic wand that a any photo you can tap, and it basically right. maximizes the, the exposure. And... and I get neither of you have really loved portrait mode in that way you don't use those features that often. i'm trying i actually try to love it i don't mm. like the alternate modes like the weird lighting stuff oh, okay. but I, I use the standard one when i when i think of it i think i would use this for my library especially those old photos that i took you know years and years ago i want to see the colorized feature I, I i can't wait to try it actually some of the, the the examples of the colorized feature are not exciting like only colorize the the subject in the foreground. Oh, I don't like that effect like, yeah. in general, yeah. but the yeah. fully colorized yeah. black and white photos. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then let me tweak from there to then apply my right. hipstamatic filters. That's right, hipstamatic. Uh, okay, uh, some updates. Google has so many products. We're not even at Android yet. Gmail, what's up with Gmail? Gmail's gonna start going from, um, you know, we're all familiar with predictive text to essentially predictive phrases to help you as you're composing emails actually finish your sentences and like actually help construct sentences much quicker. This I'm very skeptical. What is of. that? Well, yeah, what does that mean? So they you're, showed you're typing. A, they showed a demo as you're typing because it's context aware. So it knows the person that you're sending this message to. It has the history of all of your communication. Mm -hmm. It knows what your subject line yeah, is. It knows what your subject line is that it'll start in predictive text fashion popping up what you might be writing, now and this then is, you can hit tab to just complete that sentence. Now, uh, so this they demoed this on a keyboard Gmail, but mm -hmm. I find this would be most useful in uh, touch typing, yeah. where predictive text, where your fingers are slower touch typing than they would be on a keyboard, where you have all ten fingers moving quickly. Yes, the tab, I get that, but that's changing the way you type. You're like typing up your thoughts and then hitting tab as opposed to the rest of that sentence. You absolutely bring up a great point. We don't know what this would look like on mobile um, or on, on tablets. Is there uh, not the same thing currently on mobile? There, there is, but not big phrases. You not know, phrases. Not like this was like a next iteration on that. I mean, right. there's always words, but not in integrated in Gmail. Usually, somebody has like their mm -hmm. own keyboard that does mm -hmm. that too. God, think of it this way. Uh, again, this is the, the Black Mirror episode where you know, um, uh, what was it? Um, Donald Gleason, Donald Gleason passed away, and then he, all his online chats were uploaded to the cloud, and then they got to simulate his conversations and bring those back as an AI with his wife, uh, which I thought was. I mean, that was the number is, one like that. That was the number one thing that popped in my head as I was seeing this. I mean, there's a lot of like, do I trust this will actually mm -hmm. bring up predictive text that I actually write in my voice? Well, and but the other thing is like, <coughs> where is this information being generated right. and is it stored? All of that, and they didn't actually talk about that, which I was surprised in the context of of conversations around. Facebook. Do you remember the movie Her and in uh, that version of the future, Walking Phoenix, who I think is, a, is a, he writes like greeting cards or something. He, everyone in that world dictated all their messages with voice. And we talked about on the podcast how in a future where people don't use keyboards and people just use touchscreens and just compose with their voice, you have to change the way you talk so that your ums aren't as a part of your written language or your written language has to build in that in. That movie didn't predict a world where we could say, just give the Gmail the salient points of our, our message, you know, the data points, 
and then the rest of the personality would just get populated automatically based on old emails that we've typed. Hmm? Well, Joaquin would write cards for hire, and so you would tell him the how how to, yeah the, the voice to use say happy birthday or yeah. whatever, and he would yeah. and I you know maybe it gives some memories, but just an input mechanism, right? The input yeah okay, we if if the computers we had today the if the keyboards all went away and we were all forced to use voice to text, we would struggle. I barely can do voice to text on text messages, right? You know, send a, send a text to my wife, and I get one sentence, and I'd say really fifteen percent of the time it's wrong. Um, I just wonder: is are the predictive phrases ever going to be funny? Are they going to have yeah. wit? Are, are they, they going to capture that? You got to download the pack, the wit pack. <laughs> you got to pay it, extra it, for it, that. You got to pay for. You got to pay. Uh, yeah. You should look at our text Loot history uh, messages. Because oh, I know. All, I know all of them are, are voice to text. Almost like at least fifty percent are voice to text to you. Yeah. Um, a, a couple small things that came up that I, I think are actually interesting. They introduced uh, subscribe with Google. I subscribe to a lot of different content sites like the Washington Post and the New York Times and other places. Now when you do search, if you connect them through your Google account, search will bring up um, articles that are hidden behind paywalls or uh, tied to your subscriptions in that way. Oh. And I thought that was an, a great unifying feature because I've been feeling... Like this is, a, a, again, a really small thing. I've been feeling how that ecosystem is walled off from each other as I subscribe to more and more content sites that are hidden away from each What's other. What's their cut? I don't, I, I don't know how the business model works at all, but I thought it was a nice little feature that I'm going to keep an eye out for. Um, we should talk about their, their uh, digital happiness, like digital life. Well, yeah, wellness. Uh, or wellness, whatever. yeah. Mm. Digital well-being. Well-being, that's what it is. That's actually great. Why not? I'm just surprising given that it seems contrary to their business model. Yeah, I think I don't I, think it is contrary it, to their business. It totally, model. totally is. is contrary. I think it's, this is like the oh, let's just set aside like a small amount of money to 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 put on a face and say I, we care about your digital wellness. No, I think they're like people are going to use the their phones tour. because people need to use their phones. This isn't going to be like a huge dramatic so, drought on it. To explain, it will you will have the option using the new version of Android. What do they call it? Android P. Android P. To um, basically set yourself time limits for specific apps. And if you go over your time limit, the app will not only turn gray as an icon, but will be unlaunchable unless you go through some additional steps. Breathe. Which Breathing <laughs> exercises. <sighs> That's great. Nope. I mean, there. I mean, this has existed on desktops for a long time. In fact, you could download apps that would do this for yeah. you. I, I, I would use it for Twitter. I would say instead of, I, I would say the thing you need to unlock for Twitter is like pass some intellectual basic challenges, just like some quizzes to make sure that you're, you've thought things out. Uh, Twitter and Reddit for me. Those are big time things for me. So I don't that's know. fine. This, this, all, this strikes me as right for some people, but not right for everybody. Ooh, yeah, I, I, but I, it's an opt-in service. Build right, the yeah, system that where if you open and close Twitter 10 times in a minute where you like forget you close it and open it again, right. then it locks you out. This is turning into more of an intervention for Norm than it is Android P. I think a lot of people need intervention. <laughs> uh, the other things they had, um, Shush, which is a mode where you just turn your phone over and it basically limits isn't that the shush okay one i didn't see that you turn your phone over and it limits um any notifications that you get basically you put your phone it treats that as a gesture yeah i thought the interesting one is that uh they're monitoring through a dashboard app usage over time and will basically put apps to sleep that you don't use to lower power consumption i looked (laughs) at my power data over a a long period to sleep what is this old 
apps are running in the background. Real multitasking. Oh, okay. All <laughs> but right. It's also part of their I mean, it, well being thing. It's part of just also increased battery life. I looked at mine, it would probably only give me like a three to four percent boost in battery Wind performance. Down. Um, but that's not not bad. But related to that, they're giving you a pie chart of your, all of your app usage. Yeah, and Ooh. so you can you can see where a little bit of share big data where your time is. And obviously, they've had this data forever, and now they're sharing it with you. How kind! Wind down is the one I think I would use the most. What's wind down? Wind down is basically when you're in bed instead of using your phone, you can hit a wind down feature that will grayscale your phone. Oh yeah, uh, for you and basically encourage you to put your phone away. Um, at bedtime and, and put itself in sort of a... It should be a radiation remote. meter. No. <laughs> I actually like this. Have you tried the grayscale thing? No, that sounds like a Game of Thrones it, disease. On iPhone, we have this uh, night... What is it called? Shoot. Night, uh, nighttime dimming? Yeah. yeah. Or warms, warms, it's like, it's like it flux. It gets rid of the blue colors. It's flux. Yeah, yeah and Android has, has had something similar to that for a while, too. Night uh, shift. Uh, but... I think the uh, the interesting part is there's lots of studies. I interviewed this guy, Adam Alter, who wrote a book called Irresistible that highlighted all these studies about when when your phone is in grayscale, you use it less because all the notifications, all the stuff that is designed to grab your attention, it doesn't have the same effect because yeah. it can't use mm-hmm. um, the color to its advantage. So. Uh, we Yeah, I use the, the Do Not Disturb clock. Every day, it goes into Do Not Disturb at ten, and I get no notifications until seven. So and like so, wind down is just basically that, except like turned up a notch. It's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, should we talk about the the camera before you actually get to some of the Android P stuff? Well, it's, it's software, right? It's not. There's not really new hardware, or is there? No. Okay. New, yeah. New hardware. Yeah. The camera is all about software. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was two things to highlight. One that really blew me away, but first is they added some walking navigation. Because and they brought up the simple problem of how when you get directions when you're walking yeah. you don't know which way you're oriented oftentimes mm. and so you have to use like in Google Maps there's this little cone that tell, looks at which way you're pointing and you tend to have to walk a few meters to figure out which way you're before facing. the compass yeah and when she said that I was like I do that yeah everyone said I do that yeah I mean, yeah. And so t- now they added a visual overlay when you have walking directions a little bit augmented reality it yeah. was. Little AR uh, to help you find your way. Even Inclu- I like the guided little fox. That yeah, but the occlu- that was cute. The occlusion on that fox was a little unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. I, was it dodging the hobos? It, and, no, no. It, it, it jumping it, around shopping carts. It, it went around a corner and went behind a building. Oh, Ooh, chase the fox. The, the, the idea is great. I just think the technology was a little smoke and mirrors. I don't mm. think this is like a heavy use case scenario, but mm. I, I thought it was. It solved a little. Problem. Come on, come on. Earn your orienteering merit badge. Look at the landmarks. <laughs> look North's at the cardinal message. directions. Look at the sc- time of day it is. I, you can figure out what. I mean, we talked about. I can't remember are. what the piece of tech was, but they um, they talked about using uh, the camera to essentially map um, different points on buildings and landmarks uh-huh. as a way of establishing this orientation. Ooh, crowdsource they that. can't just use GPS in this situation. Right. Yeah, I think it's called the VPS system. Visual uh, positioning and we, system. And we talked about that months ago. So, so it'll work in areas where there are a lot of people using these apps. So mm. it won't work, you know, metropolises, yes, but not every day. Little yeah. towns. Oh, they, they, you can get some extra mileage out of the guy flipping the, the arrow in the corner of the street by putting a QR code on his back. And now you know what direction he's pointing. <laughs> what? 
What there's a dystopian world that Norm is talking about this, this morning. Oh, this is so dystopia. Um, I was impressed by something I felt like was so obvious. Why didn't we have this years ago? And that was the um, cut, copy, and paste from lens. Mm-hmm. So you aim. There's they demoed aiming the camera at a passage in a book, and hitting a copy button. And then pasting that into a document. Yeah, you can highlight text. So OCR, copy OCR. Exactly. So this is a Google Bot Word Lens, and now that's Lens. That was the OCR and translation feature, which was magic, you know, uh, eight years ago, seven years ago when we started using it. Uh, they did neat things, though. Like they, absolutely. They kept the colors and the yes, font. Yes, yeah, a little bit of computer vision. Yeah. Uh, but this is not for translations. This is purely for text and signs and books. And This is text and, manipulation. Okay. So, I mean, they integrated the translate features into Google Lens, so that's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you can, I, I thought that copy-paste is, is useful for every anyone that has to do, like, you know, uh, reimbursements and, like, are, are, you know, you know scanning receipts and are you, all Are you that drawing stuff. a box around it, like drawing a circle around the text? Yeah, how do you the select text? the text? They didn't really show that. They, they, I don't know. I mean, right. how does he know what's like, a line break? And it what's seemed a... like an underline came up below the text that mm-hmm. was copy pasteable. It would be neat if you could select it on the screen. Exactly, like you draw a circle around the block of text that you yeah. want, and then it uh, uh, keeps that it, arrangement, the visual arrangement, yeah. and then you paste it, and then you delete your line breaks. It seemed like it was being done in the same way that you manipulate text on your phone right now. Like underlines below it, mm-hmm. you would have to select a chunk of text mm-hmm. by doing long press. That kind of thing. Where do, where do you see yourself using this the most? I think reimbursements. Anytime I have to scan a receipt, anytime I want to turn a, a page into a PDF and I want to copy paste out of that. There's ways to do that, but not that simple. Not integrated into native apps yeah. on the phone. I have to download, download OCR all the time. That's what it should be. I just thought about students and citing passages in books. How, now can you, how can, easy that would be. Can you do it in, on photos? Can you load up a yeah. photo? And it say, oh, I took a photo of a book. Let me get the text. I think up. if you're in meetings and you're using the whiteboard and all of that stuff, yeah, um, I, I think there's a total use case for this. Yeah. Well, unrelated, I started using this uh, new app called Tab, I believe. Um, uh, I believe it's called Tab. And it is, yeah, Tab. Uh, and it's used for splitting receipts, bills, in restaurants. You take a photo of the receipt, it OCRs it, and then it uses the cloud computing to identify what the items are and the prices, including multiple items, and then you have a checkbox system where you Whoa. say, I ordered this, this, so, and this, and you add another user, and if everyone has the same app, you share like a, a common code, a four-digit code, so everyone pops up the same receipt, and you pick the items you ordered, and it splits it all. That's a great idea. That's yeah. pretty cool. And it's yeah. not just like divide by number of people at table. No, you chose the thing you ordered, and you say, oh, I split this with someone. Yeah. I ordered half of this thing. But how, did, how does it handle tip? Uh, and then you say you divide all the tip fairly at the end. And you pay the tax you're responsible for? Yep. I yeah. dig it. And then uh, also has like, oh, is it someone's birthday? Divide this item that they ordered between everyone else. <laughs> it, it's really cool. What's the money? Mon- what's the uh, how business make model? Money? I have no idea. It's free then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, we should talk about Android P. So Sundar uh, announced that Android P beta was available. And before, before the end of the keynote, I had Android P beta on my phone. And available for a lot of phones. Yeah. Uh, they aren't just limiting it to the Google yeah. um, branded hardware. So they open up to OnePlus ecosystem. The Essential, I think, was on that list. Ooh, I'll, I'll, st- I'll update. Um, so I'm trying it out, and I'm early. I've only had it for you know a little less than 24 hours. Um, some initial reactions that that he mentioned, like there was lots of little pain points that they fixed. So going to portrait mode, you can now actually hit a button that actually 
says yes I want to switch uh, to uh, from portrait to to landscape mode mm-hmm. I find that incredibly useful volume which has been a pain point in Android because the way volume works when media is playing sometimes you actually control the ringer yeah um, with that so it has a simplified UI for that I thought that's great the notification bar I mean I don't know about you but my notification bar is always filled with stuff. And so this has a way of actually now indicating how many extra things are on your notification bar. Um, There's some tweaks I would like to see in the notification bar that aren't good, but it's a more visual um, system now for controlling things in your notification bar. Uh, Lastly, they mentioned this swipe up feature that was straight up an iPhone X copy. Uh, like I mean, what we can call it whatever we want, but that's what it was. This right? is the UI interface. single home button. Yeah, swipe swiping up. the best feature in iPhone 10 that is not in iPhone 8. Right, and I didn't quite get that um, feature as promised in the keynote. So I have a button there, and I swipe up. It just brings up my app tray, and I was uh, in the demo. They said you do that twice to bring up the app tray. So I don't know quite what's going on there. Uh, maybe my original Pixel isn't geared for for this update, or but if this, that update's coming later. That button is new. No, the this is the that's always been the whole yeah. button. Okay, so I haven't gotten that full feature set. But, but can't you swipe mentioned. it now? Like go between? You can't do stuff. Okay. No, it's this little line up oh, here gotcha. above the search bar that you can swipe up from. That gotcha. was new. Um, so I haven't gotten that full feature as as promised. Uh, the cards for, for kind of swiping away apps. Norm, just stick with me for a second. I know mm-hmm. you don't need to swipe away apps and stuff anymore. I think that it's a little bit more seamless to move between apps that you're using. But the most important, I think the one that has made the biggest difference, impact on me in the first 24 hours, is they talked about slices that give you uh, uh, the ability to interact in apps without the app opening itself. So the way this has worked is Slack is, a, is an app I use a lot. And it kind of opens up part of it where it allows me to type responses with predictive information about the kinds of responses I would normally make you mean without in, fully opening up Slack. Inside a notification? Yeah, inside of a notification. Yeah. Uh, and I really dug that if that becomes much more uh, present in most of the apps I use. IPhone, pretty powerful hooks. iPhone has had that, and I don't find I use that as much as I should. You know, if I get a notification, I typically tap it and then I just go into and the And then app. open. You don't, the app. you don't hold press and, or, and respond or, in line. Or scroll and, down. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's nice to have, I guess. I do that for everything except text messaging. Text messaging, I just fully went with it. Just reply in the notification. I like the full context, like Jeremy, of what's in the app surrounding that notification. Is that it? Are we done with Google? Yeah. Big story this week. All Pretty right. big. Moving on. Popical jaw. Hey guys, I play Fortnite now. What? Dude, yeah, I was going to ask. You what? got I started playing Fortnite yesterday morning for oh, some no. bizarre reason. So are you joking? No, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. I literally started playing Fortnite yesterday morning when they announced the Thanos crossover and that he's a character that you can play within Fortnite in have solo mode. Have you been Thanos? Yes, for for all of like 35 seconds. It's like being a, a Jedi or like a, you know, Sith in um, Battlefront, right? Sure. I, I don't like for I will come you can't out choose say, to be Thanos. Let's no, be no. clear. You have to find the glove. 
Yeah, so a gauntlet. Well, sorry. only one I'm person a, can. I'm do not that. a Fortnite fan, nor am I a good Fortnite player. But basically, they have at the 145 mark, uh, a Infinity Gauntlet descends from the heavens, and you can uh, players can pick it up. You become super strong. You have super, you know specific powers, and <laughs> Thanos is really strong. Uh, and uh, but he's also located on the map, so everyone that's playing knows where Thanos is mm-hmm. and begins to hunt him. Uh, and so, but the game proceeds, and his health does not regenerate. His health doesn't regenerate. So the last one standing as Thanos is the winner. Well, I mean, it it just plays like a normal battle royale. Last person standing, period, wins. Oh, so okay, you don't gotcha. have to have the gauntlet on to win. Got, oh, interesting. But he, you show up on everyone's maps, and you are loud yeah. and big, so <laughs> people know where you are. It isn't a very stealth um, kind of component. It is probably that changes overpower- the whole dynamic of the game. It's only a limited time thing. Uh, I I assume that this is only going to run for a couple days. Uh, I will say that part of me died as a longtime Thanos fan watching Thanos do the emote dancing. Oh yeah, that's no good. That's no <laughs> All good. the animations work. Let me yeah. ask you about the ability to see what you prove. So if Thanos has a mighty punch that knocks enemies back. Yes. Yes. Thanos flies toward the ground, hitting the area. And knock back. Yeah, that usually doesn't work as well as it as you would think because people can see that coming from a mile away, and the charge up to fly like that takes a long time. But could he do it? Yeah, yeah. All right. I what mean, about... I think Thanos is on, uh, he's probably got... depowered in the Fortnite iteration. Yeah, yeah he if doesn't you, turn you, back if you, time. If you, the glove, if he's you, just, you just <laughs> you just snap your fingers. Let's hear it. Oh come on, Jerry. I, I, uh, all you do is snap your fingers, <laughs> and and you get the chicken dinner. So he can harness the power stone. Mm-hmm. Laser beam is that yeah. powerful? It's like it, that yeah, be more it hurts. Power. It does. Okay. I've been killed by it multiple times. And he can jump uh, two hundred shield cap, two hundred uh, eight hundred max health. Yeah, eight hundred. This is like Marvel like trading cards. Thanos is ten plus on all the power scales. If you eliminate a player, it regens. It's pretty fun. Thanos is shield. Hey, all of this is happening because the Russo brothers are apparently fans of. Uh, of Fortnite. You get no equipment if you become Thanos. No, you have the Infinity Gauntlet. You don't need any I guess equipment. That's you all, need, that's you, all you can sniper. use. Could you imagine? That would be horrible. <laughs> oh, you know, we're still waiting for that Marvel VR game, right? You know, Oculus yeah. is paying for it, and, and we haven't heard a lot uh, from it since, but if Thanos was a character in that, and you had to make sure it was a fist, you had to, you know, like in the movie, you had to mm-hmm. make the fist with your Oculus Touch controller to use the gem. That's good use of VR. Be fun and to collect presents. the gems somehow. Assemble mm. the, the drop them, drop them in. Yeah, that because that's what I want to do. Uh, all right, enough Fortnite. Let's talk about Rambo. <laughs> <clears throat> so, <laughs> I actually haven't seen Creed. So I want to. Having seen Black you Panther, seen, wait, wait, no. So you, Creed you, is awesome. Yeah, I want to see it. I mean, because it's, it's great. Sa- same director as Black Panther, right? Yep. And uh, like, I love Black like, Panther. Yep. Yeah, same so actor, Michael B. Jordan. I want to see it. Was Sylvester Stallone good in it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he was fine. He was restrained, and I would say that's why he was good. He also wasn't a dominant character in it. He was a supporting character. He was. Yeah. He, he, he should have won an award for that movie. Stallone. Stallone should have won an award for that movie. No kidding. Mm. All right. He should have so, won a supporting actor award. So what do you think? The guy is in his, I don't know, 70s? He's he did the, this. He did the, the, the Rambo fade to black movie already. I didn't see. Yeah, John Rambo. That. That was ten years ago, that. right? Uh, yeah, sounds about right. And was that any good? It was fine for a Rambo movie, but it was great as like a conclusion to the Rambo series. Right. I don't know. We didn't need another. We don't need another Rambo movie, but it's happening. 
It's happening. It's happening. Those roids aren't going to pay for themselves. He's got a friend who has a daughter kidnapped by the Mexican cartels, and he goes down south and takes care of business. Well, I've always seen Rambo. The Rambo movie, uh, the last one, John Rambo, I think it's called, is a great Marvel Punisher movie. If you watch that and just see it as the Punisher, it's awesome. Hmm. Rambo and Punisher are essentially the same characters. You know, uh, war veterans, deserted by their country, seeking their own brand of justice. (laughs) All right. Uh, And maybe if it comes out, we'll see some announcement of at Comic-Con, which is only in like two months. Speaking of Comic-Con, you don't have to wait till July every year to experience Comic-Con because apparently San Diego Comic-Con, the organization, is going to open its own Comic-Con Museum, the Center for Pop Culture in San Diego. Mm. Now, what does that mean? I want to talk about this because if you were establishing a museum of pop culture, I could see like George Lucas has, you know, is going to set up his own museum of pop culture in, in L.A. Uh, with all his memorabilia and things, uh, artifacts from his collection um, and his films, of course. But if as an institution for Comic-Con to set up a center like a museum mm. to celebrate convention culture, what would you put in there? So I don't want it to celebrate convention culture. You don't think that, that weren't celebrating? That feels navel-gazy to me. Uh, that is convention culture. Yeah, but I I would think the stuff that's more important is, um, have you been to the Cartoon Art Museum here yeah. since it reopened? Not since it reopened. Yeah, uh, and, and so I've gone since it reopened. It, it, it's up here in Fisherman's Wharf in, in San Francisco. It's a celebration of the history of the comic art in a lot of cases. And I think if they integrated something like that, that would be true to its its roots. And so something that melds history and a celebration of- You don't want to see an exhibit celebrating the, the great viral marketing campaign of 2007 with mm. Batman Dark Knight? But, but something that celebrates um, cosplay in, mm. in yeah. some way would yeah. be totally appropriate, especially from a historical perspective. Most memorable Hall H panels? <laughs> See, I, I didn't get in line. At, yeah, right. VR here, line wait. Here is an exhibit where you can simulate waiting in line at Hall H by uh, jumping in the sleeping bag and watching the sunset. I imagine this museum as having content that, that um, would attract people for the same reason they go to Comic-Con, which is not to be fans necessarily to celebrate that, but to, to, see, the co- to see the actual costumes from the films and to, to find out information about movies and comic books and pop culture mm-hmm. is, what, so uh, that's what i would imagine there's that seattle museum uh what is it the they, emp that they renamed op- themselves they're oh, no longer the experience em- music project they're the museum of pop oh yeah and emp- like but that type of museum that hosts that content feels like it would be appropriate at a comic-con well that yeah. one has the backing of paul allen and his collection so you got to have a lot a lot of money i wouldn't compare it to the lucas museum though because the lucas museum George has all the money he, he needs, all he wants. Yeah. And now he's got this stuff. He'd like to show it off. He offered it to Chicago. He offered it to San Francisco. Who, who wants it, guys? Just take it. Take it. I'll build the museum. And they got it in L.A. This is the Comic-Con Museum sounds like a money-making venture. Like, yeah. this, this just sounds well, like Well, they're a nonprofit, but they don't make a lot of money. I think who, Who's not? Who's uh, a nonprofit? Uh, Comic-Con organization. Oh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive to put on a Comic-Con. They don't make a lot of money. With no that kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, maybe yeah. I'm wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be in Balboa Park in San Diego, and maybe it's another reason to go down to San Diego. I think it's interesting, you know, as pop culture becomes more mainstream and the lines blur, uh, what it means to celebrate fandom um, in an in institution like this, you know, where it's it's a meta level. Absolutely. It's not about the necessarily about the movies and the comic books, and it should be part of that, but it's about what it means to like, how people have celebrated those things over the years. 
All right. Uh, we're going back to movies and TV shows. We got a trailer for Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage season two. Yeah. Right? It feels um, like longer than season two. Yeah, that's what we had Defenders. Exactly. And um, the trailer looks great. It has that the uh, great soundtrack that we remember from season one. Um, they set up a villain. I'm not going to talk about it that much. Uh, but I have to admit, there's some part of me that was like, meh. And it's like, it's partially because I feel like the window on these Defenders Netflix series might be closing. Yeah, I mean, Marvel clearly is not going to make more of these once they start doing their own subscription service. And the buildup for all these series, individually, see Daredevil season one and two and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage were so great. And then we were also deflated with the Defenders that season two of these shows felt less interesting and less of events. And Netflix and probably better off spending their money elsewhere in developing more things like Stranger Things. Well, they they got their value out of they did. Yep. out of, of these. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's just like straight up Marvel fatigue just because I've seen the most recent movies so many times. I don't know, dude. For, from my perspective, coming off the back of two of the best Marvel films ever, well, ever being the past 10 years, I mean, I'm excited for anything Marvel at this point. I'm revisiting the old films in a way that I never expected to. I'm excited about some stupid Marvel pinball machines that I haven't been that into before. Well, I'd be excited to watch this more now. Right. You think so, but the business is getting in the way. The business of what, where these characters and where these shows stand in what we were sold as a giant shared cinematic universe really hasn't played out. Like in... In the Netflix shows, they refer to "quote unquote" incident, which is the first Avengers film. But there's no crossover. You know, if yep. you're watching Avengers: Infinity War, you don't see any of the other characters. Even yeah. though fans at hope maybe do see a glimpse of Daredevil, it, contractually it just doesn't work out. Agents of Shield just like did this slight nod to Thanos, like well, in, in that was reason. a big thing. Agents of the Shield was was a direct spinoff of the Avengers movie with Greg Clark, and they had been pulling further and further away with the Inhumans and the Kree. And they finally brought it back with a a direct reference yeah. to Infinity War. But it was still like a throwaway line. It didn't have any impact on the story, mm. really. I mean, if, if they don't have the, half the cast disappear by next season, then, <laughs> then it'll be a throwaway line. Um, final couple things in pop culture. Two movie things, two movie announcements. First of all, Jordan Peele announced his next movie. Jordan Peele, director of Get Out. Uh, his next movie is called Us. There is a teaser poster and I don't think this movie has even started filming. There might be a cast, but uh, that's the anticipation. I'm that's all how in. high the anticipation is for this film. It, favorite, I think your favorite I, movie last year. Yeah, absolutely. And it does indicate that it will be another like horror thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the poster is all in for sure. Uh, and then uh, I'm I don't know how many people here are all in for Bill and Ted three confirmed. All original cast members: Keanu Reeves on board. Yeah. yeah. Director of Galaxy Quest. Oh, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is Bill and Ted, is this something we want? Is this something we need? What is the tone something of this Something we film? need? No. Who, who remembers the second one? I remember the second one. Bogus Journey? second one was what I grew up with, unfortunately. It, did you like it? No, not as much as after rewatching the first one. The first okay. one was a classic 80s hijinks, which also it doesn't age well. Much of it doesn't age well at all. But, you know... Um, it was Na- very like weird science. Napoleon yeah. just hanging out in somebody's living room doesn't age well? <laughs> The second one was a good time travel movie. Hmm. Had a lot of like weird time travel paradox resolutions. Yeah. Uh, hmm. And you know they're they're chasing death. Um, 
Obviously, Rufus isn't going to be there. George Carlin yep. no longer with us. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's certainly it's captured a lot of attention on Twitter. I think that there's an audience for it. I don't know if and it's purely nostalgia. Uh, oh of, yeah, part right? of it is Keanu's place in in like pop culture lore. Right. Now. This is pr- this is like the Sean Penn and Fast Times role where he went before he went full serious. It was full hijinks. And then, of course, you got Point Break and The Matrix and John Wick. And now you go from John Wick back to Bill and Ted? Yeah. It, I think it'll surprise a lot of younger viewers. Don't make sense of Keanu. Oh, wow. You can't. You can't do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'll watch it on video. You know You know who's the most excited, the person most excited for Bill and Ted 3? Alex Winter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> was yeah. he Bill or was he Ted? He was. Um, Doesn't matter. He was Bill. He was Bill. He was Bill. He was Bill S. Preston, Esquire. Esquire. Oh, Esquire. I and, forgot him. And Ted Theodore Logan. Wild Stallions. That's right. Hey, I have an idea. Post show, post credits. Let's rank some Marvel movies. Uh-oh. Rank them? Ooh. Whoa. Okay. Giving away the post credits. All right. All right. All right. Uh, that does it for pop culture news. Let's go back to technology. Oh, no, no mineral. Oh, no. Let's, let's go back to technology first. Okay. Then I will do this. I'll unmute it. No, for heaven's sake, play. So we talked a lot about Google I.O. Let's talk about Microsoft Build and the announcements from that event. It didn't seem that, it seemed kind of lackluster to me. Am I wrong? It was a little lackluster. Windows was not that big of a focus. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Microsoft, a lot of their business is now in Azure and the cloud. Um, and AI was a big topic for them as mm-hmm. well. Um, there is no Windows Phone, but they announced a new Windows on your phone system. So it's an app that ties your Windows 10 to your Android phone. So notifications and phone calls and messages pop up on... Wait a minute. Uh, and, and iPhone. It, iPhone is very much weaker. Okay. Much less inter- in interface. But with Android, you have an app on the Android on your Android phone, and you can have your messages pop up on your Windows desktop and reply directly there. Maybe make phone calls directly there. Uh a lot of this requires, you know, third-party applications on your phone. You being in their ecosystem, maybe using their apps like Outlook. So not too exciting for me. Uh, what was exciting is uh, Microsoft Connect, another life for Microsoft Connect. Now, Connect, of course, kind of died on Xbox One. Uh, and Xbox One itself, maybe not selling, selling so well. I think EA, some EA inferences uh, said that Xbox One probably sold half as many as PS4 last year. Um, but Connect is now a new form factor. Mm. And Wait a minute. It's still a camera? It's still a camera system. Oh. But it's a small module that uh, was. Uh, it's going to be sold to developers to encourage mapping of the world. Well, And it's a cloud service. The processing will be in the cloud, but the hardware they're selling, yeah. and the idea is that they want to take all that depth sensing information and get it in devices. And it only supports their camera? It, you can't use your own camera with use, the Connect cloud service? Yeah, oh, okay. their, their camera. Interesting. Yeah. So not really consumer-facing thing. The hardware is better. It is smaller, um, and it's supposed to work in more places, uh, but there's no product, no consumer product tied to this. This is all developer yeah. and, and back-end facing. Uh, there's a new product called Microsoft Cone. You see this? 
I don't get this product. This is like a meeting-based solution. So it, it's a physical thing that sits in a meeting room Ooh. that has AI embedded in it so it can recognize who's speaking and sort of you know naturally help direct the conversation towards um, who's speaking in the room. It looks so effing awkward. You didn't say what it does. It transcribes yeah. the discussion. That's part of like the AI yeah. component. So too. for people who are in, in remote areas, maybe conferencing in, or who knows, maybe they're reading it afterwards, they can see who said what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what direction, and basically maps out that room um, with audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat. I think it's something that probably will just get packaged into you know next version of Alexa or see, something. See, that's what's interesting to me, is if this is integrated, but when it's a standalone thing, it's less interesting. Yeah. As a service, it's interesting. Yeah, big old cone. Uh, minor updates to Windows 10. Cloud Clipboard is coming out. Oh, okay. So sign into your Windows account. You can If you copy something on one computer, it, you can paste it and look at your history of what you've copied uh, in other computers. That sounds useful. Will they have incognito clipboard? No. No. Whatever, whatever you copy. Incognito is not a Microsoft thing. Well, in private. I'm yeah. sorry. In private keyboard. Um, and then anything else from, from Build? See, I told you it was lackluster. Yeah, not that much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey, what might not be lackluster? iPhone sales. Well, wait. Can you tell me what the iPhone can do on a Windows 10? Uh, do you know? Like, will, can I send text messages? No. Can I? Do I get any notifications? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me pull up. I'm talking so you can search. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I mean, wait, do you ask this because you want it to be able to do this? I don't see why not. I'm at my. I'm I'm a Windows user. I think most people assume I'm Mac because I have a laptop. But uh, at home, I'm always on the oh, PC. But you're, you're a gamer. Yeah, yeah I'm an gonna... iPhone guy. And I, it would be nice if there's some... Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't, since I don't use the Macintosh that often, I don't get the, the synchronicity between the iPhone and the, and the computer experience. But is it notifications that you want to be synchronized? No, you get nothing with iPhone. You get web browsing shared. And you have to use Microsoft Edge browser on Ooh, your Oh, yuck. All right. Yeah. No. All right. No. No. All right. no. No, thanks. I'll keep dreaming. All right. iPhone iPhone 10 sales. Apparently, according to third-party estimates, they sold a lot of them. Uh, what, isn't the claim that it's the the most sold? Best-selling uh, sell smartphone of any brand in Q1 2018. Yeah. All right. There you go. Good, Good for, for Apple. Good for Warren Buffett, who apparently bought a lot of Apple stock. Did he? I think he did. He announced a shareholder meeting in Omaha yeah. last week. Uh, uh, this is a story that we didn't talk about last week, but uh, in terms of dystopian futures. So Amazon already has a service to get into your back door, right, where the packages can be delivered. Front can, door. Front door. Or front door. Any door. Any door, any door, yeah. any door <laughs> in your house. They can step right in, drop off your package, uh, and get special access. Now they can get in your car. Well, f we should also back up and say they bought Ring, um, the uh, video they? doorbell service. Yeah. So you imagine there's even more integration like that coming. They announced a new service where they can, uh, with certain cars, uh, you can have them unlock your trunk and place your package directly in your vehicle. How trunk. the I don't like hell this. do they open my because trunk? Because there are certain cars that have uh, already app-enabled features for you to open your, your trunk. But my phone, not Amazon's phone. I know, but you have to, like, there's a new app that you can give permission. This is bad. Oh, I think it's terrible. <laughs> I think it was a horrible idea. People don't want to share what's in their trunk. The trunk is just a place for, like, garbage. 
Oh my god! I, I don't I, want anyone getting in my. It car. is not a place for garbage, Norm. Do we have to go look at your trunk? My trunk is pretty messy. You don't want to do that. It's pretty messy. But I just I last, mean, last time I looked in your trunk, there was like a brain in it. Yeah, so, that was there. That was there once. But I, I mean, it's just creepy, right? Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like forget the utility of this. Like I just that's a space I don't want other people. What to about go the frunk? Ooh, as more cars <laughs> get frunks, <laughs> that would be a good place to put packages. Uh, yeah, not the trunk. It is, you know, it's it's tough because they. I believe someone at Amazon is thinking of the utility, because I don't want people leaving packages outside my house either. No, but I understand the home one makes much more sense to me. That's, I realize there's an uncanny valley there to, to, to cross, but I think the vehicle is weird. Too. Hey, hey, we didn't mention that Microsoft added. Um, Alexa Cortana integration. Yeah, that was something they had teased a while ago. So how, how does this work? It was interesting to seeing them promote Alexa at all, well, given they, that they that, know that Cortana is not there. Given that they have their own personal assistant. Um, but yeah, basically in the future, you know, later this year, both of those will run each other's apps, and you'll be able to access Alexa from Cortana and vice versa. Imagine the conversations they have when you're not at home. It was cute. Like <laughs> they asked Cortana, they asked Alexa what she thought of Cortana, and mm. she said. I like her a lot. We both have experience with light rings, but Cortana's is more of a halo. Wow. That's props to the copywriter who got to write that. I script. thought that was good. That was my favorite part of it. Easily of amused, Microsoft Jeremy. Defense. Easily, easily amused. Uh, speaking of Frunks, uh, a little update. I got my uh, notification, the email from Tesla. Oh, my. Uh, I can, I, 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 once I fill out certain bits of information, oh. I can hand them a check for. A bunch of money and pick up a Model Three. Pick up. Well, when pick up? It's gonna be. It's gonna be in the next couple of weeks once I get. Holy the cow, dude! Yeah, they should give you a, like a live feed of your car being put together. So wait a minute, they they're not making your car then. They just have every version ready. to They go. must have every version, and then my spot came up. There's so few. I have a VIN number assigned to my car now. That's exciting. A VIN number assigned, and uh, the Fremont. Uh, facility. I'm probably gonna head to the, the main headquarters where they're building them. You gotta to shoot pick it this. Up. You gotta shoot this a little bit. They, I don't know if they'll let me. I'll do it incognito. You well, okay? Snap, shoot snap as much as spectacles. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full then, experience. What is what is that like? Yeah, to pick up the Model Three. I'm very excited. You should be. Is that where you would go? Scared. to Fremont yeah, to the to manufacturing Fremont. place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's gonna drive it right off the assembly line, and then back home, and have it drive itself back home. <laughs> yeah, gotta teach it. Yeah, you know, teach it the route. Learn, yeah. computer. Well, are you sure you want to do <laughs> this that? This is your home now. <laughs> are you sure you want to do that? Because we're getting updates on um, that Uber accident where, uh, unfortunately, they, um, they killed a pedestrian. Um, the NTSB is, has been investigating this, and more information is leaking out. And at least at this point, we got information that the car did recognize that a person was there. Look, was it person, though, or just an object? It thought it was a false positive. Yeah. Oh. And I know that sounds cold, but from an engineering standpoint, I get it. Uh, yeah, it sounds horrible in the court of public opinion, but yeah. I totally understand from a technical thing. Like, because there must be a lot of shiny things in the dark of night that it has, and that if, it picks up as false positives. And if it responded to everyone, it would probably cause accidents. So it's it's very difficult. It gets muddy on the the component, the next component. So it flagged it as a false positive. So did it decide not to swerve? Right. Because of that, that's where it starts to get real mm. muddy yeah. legally. Ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah, these are the issues that we'll be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, for Nintendo Switch users, Nintendo has announced its plans for its online service. Now, anyone who has a Switch right now can play multiplayer for free, but that was only going to be a temporary thing until Nintendo unveils its Microsoft Gold or PlayStation um, Plus-like package. And the details are, not, are now available. It will be launching in September 2018 globally, and it will be uh, $20 a year or oh. $4 a month. $20 a year, I think not, not too bad. Family plan's like $35 for That's a big members. difference in price, by the way. That's $48 versus $20. Yeah, you, they want people to, to, to buy the annual plan. And what you get is online play, which isn't new. It just will be restricted for people not playing. Wait, you don't get any online play if for you free? Yeah. Ooh. They're taking that away. Splatoon? Taking it away. That's bad news. That's, yeah. that's bad for Splatoon, I bet. Well, whole, that's why it's 20 bucks a year. You know, they know that yeah. a lot of their games benefit when there are people playing online. Uh, they're also um, launching the NES Switch Online. So 20 NES games will be available for free for your account and more coming. They're, are those the 20? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with online play, which is cool. You can play Dr. Mario. What? Online. Really? On Switch with other people. That's interesting. You yep. could play. Couldn't you play one of the Mario games? No, I guess you couldn't. Not. Uh, not here are the games. Simultaneous. Uh, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Mar- Super Mario Brothers 3. So you're playing two-player games that oh. are t- turn-taking? Maybe. Online. And you could watch other people play. Is That's kind of cool. There's VoIP, I, I imagine. Their VoIP service. Uh, Ice Climber, Soccer, Balloon Flight, Dr. Mario, Donkey Kong. Yeah, not that great. Legend of Zelda, I guess, is, is a nice one. Here's Mario a big deal. Mario 3 was fun. Legend, oh, Mario 3 is going to be great. Legend of Zelda is not multiplayer. Yeah, that's true. But, but that will be one of the NES games that, okay. they, that you'll get. Uh, cloud data backup. This, I think, is a big deal. Yeah. People yeah, have been right. waiting for this for a long time. That's awesome. Yeah, because previously, right now, if you uh, your saves are tied to your hardware. So if so your you Switch get, dies? Yeah, that's oh, it. That's bad news. Right, or someone writes it. Uh, and they'll have like an online app, a phone app that you can get benefits and other things. And so this feels a little walled garden. It does. But with the features that you need for online multiplayer, it's unfortunate that if you compare this to other consoles like PS, PS4 where online play is free, this sucks. But $20 isn't that much. They're big. I mean, they did the math, right? They did that cost benefit analysis, and they figure they're going to sell a ton of. They've already sold a bunch of switches. They're going to sell a bunch more, and they can get an additional twenty dollars per person annually on this, and get you to buy more stuff with special offers. You get free games, and it's uh, what's the family membership? How many? Thirty-five dollars. I don't know how many people. I, I assume like more, way more than two, at least two. Right. I um, my kid's best friend. Seven. Oh, wow. seven. That, that's seven. Good. Seven others. Wow. That's pretty good. Hey, family. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, My kid's best friend the other day set up a lemonade stand on the street to raise money to buy himself a Switch. It was like the most adorable thing and one of the the causes I could immediately get behind. I'm like, yeah, yeah, kid, I got you. I'll take two. (laughs) I was like, I'll drink a lot of lemonade for this. (laughs) Well, I guess we're all part of one family now. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, seven's generous. All it says is all members of the group will have access to Nintendo Switch Online. Let's all buy stuff with Kishore's credit card. Yeah, but can we use each other's save points? Yeah, Mm, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A couple more uh, quick stories in technology. Uh, California may be the first state to mandate new solar panel uh, solar panels on new houses being built. Mandate? Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, that would be a big deal. It would. It would change the landscape of of housing and and power and and uh, 
I don't know if it's actually going to happen. This doesn't feel right to me because like, it, I, I think if it was specific counties or specific development areas, it, it can make sense. But mm-hmm. California is a wide weather landscape. Mm-hmm. And I think the economics of the solar development change pretty drastically based on those conditions. Like you can imagine somebody living in the outer sunset where they get much less actual uh, solar penetration because of the fog. That makes a lot less sense than somebody that lives in the middle of the state that is getting, you know, two, three hundred days of sunlight a year. So it should only be mandated where it makes sense. I mean, I'm also not a huge believer in state mandates for this because this isn't building codes. Mm. This feels a little like engineering society. I, I think this is much more of a local development um, issue that I think it makes a lot more sense in that way. I thought you flipped your phone. You did this. I wind down. Shut did up, not though. hit the right button. By the way, we didn't talk about Pretty Please. That's maybe the biggest Android MP development is that you'll later this year, you'll be able to turn on Pretty Please mode. And wait, that was, that, am I making that up? That's not an Android. No, that's part of Google Home. That's Google Home. Right. So And so when you say, okay, Google, and you ask for something, she won't do it unless you say please. I didn't care for that. It's because the kids are acting too entitled oh. with this new on-demand per, you know, interaction with computers. Alexa, tell me what death means. Please. <laughs> oh, boy. Te- teach your, you don't teach your kids manners. Let the robots teach your kids manners. Reinforce them with the, thing, the only thing they'll listen to, the robot sitting in your home. Uh, and then movie pass. My kids told me to say please to Alexa. Wow. So I don't know. They empathize. With they teach that. me. You know, all you gotta do is give it some googly eyes. Give Alexa some googly eyes, and they will empathize with it and yep. ask it. I Make mean, it give it sad eyes when you don't hear it. Yep. You know, give it some reinforcement. Train, you know, tap into our evolutionary biology, and we react to eyeballs and expressions. Uh, movie Pass on life support. Ooh, they have just fifteen million dollars in cash left, and they're spending about twenty million dollars a month paying for people. To watch so that's three, three I'm weeks. no math was wizard, but that's three months, <laughs> three weeks, right? Three, three no, weeks. No, fifteen of... million a month. You said, and they're oh, gotcha. They, they, You're smarter than I am. Everyone knows that. They have no. They have just fifteen million in cash. Oh, oh, then they're in a lot of trouble. And they're spending <laughs> that like twenty one. No, I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. So they can go into debt, or they get more investment, or they can launch more promotions. Who knows? Do, are they even taking annual memberships still? I think they are. Oh, that's bad news. Yeah, for those guys. Oh, well. So they think that when they get 5 million subscribers, they'll break even. What does that because mean? Because 5 million oh, will allow them to control one-fifth of all movie ticket sales. And how many do they have? Wait, wait so that means that there's only 25 million that people can't be right. watching movies on a regular basis? That seems very low. More, more than 25 million people went to see Avengers on opening weekend. Well, what's a $180 million opening weekend of no, I'm still <laughs> still trying to win that argument. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is dying uh, as expected. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's a weird business. Yeah. Get your movies in while you can. Watch ten movies this week. Just not the same one. Just not the same one. Are there ten movies out? I have a fun story to end on. Uh, hot dog, not hot dog. Uh, uh, seafood. Silicon Valley. A real thing now. You can download code that looks at at your food using a camera <laughs> and identifies if it's a hot dog or not a hot dog. That's great. Jin Yang was right. Yeah, it exists. It works. 
All right, before we move to our next segment, I want to thank the other sponsor of this week's episode, and that is Backblade. Uh, Backblade 2.0 is the easy do-it-yourself back and body shaver, period. If you're the type of person afraid to take off your shirt at the gym, pool, or beach, or even in front of someone special because your back and body hair has you looking like you're wearing a sweater, then maybe it's time to escape your ape with the Backblade 2.0. If you're tired of shaving your man's back for him, it might be the best upcoming gift for Father's Day, and you can get your Backblade today at Backblade, that's B-A-Key, B-A-K, sorry, B-A-K-B-L-A-D-E dot com, backblade.com. Use the promo code SHAVE30 to save 30% off on a start bundle today. Again, that's B-A-K-Blade.com with the promo code SHAVE30. And now on with the show. Moment of science. You know, that ad reminded me that it's Mother's Day this Sunday. It is. Everyone do right by the mothers in your life. Um, actually, I think we should start with what you uh, teased at the beginning of the show, that you were down south this week. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing your first ever space launch. Well, present for my first ever space launch. Uh, NASA Insight, which we've talked about on the podcast, uh, is now on its way on a, to Mars, six-month flight time uh, to the Red Planet to do some geophysics experiments. The first ever interplanetary launch from California. That's right. That's right. A foggy central coast of California. Everyone says, oh, if they launched it at the Cape, it would have been clear. Yeah. It would have well, been fine. But Florida, a little busy. Statistically. The rocket was fine. I will say uh, Scott Manley did in awesome video on why they launched from Vandenberg that goes into a lot of the details about the launch angle, uh, the inclination of, of the planets relative to each other, and why the, the sort of the economics when the original launch window of 2016 made it okay to launch from Vandenberg, which is a much less busy site to launch out of. It's a great video. Hmm. Sorry, continue. Um, <laughs> and uh, we learned a lot about the robot itself based off of the Phoenix lander that's not, it's not a rover, it doesn't have wheels. The next rover will be Mars 2020. So it drills where it lands. It, yes, and they, so they've chosen a unremarkable location so they can find them the most standard type of terrain. Hopefully they will not hit something uh, unique because they want to use it as a gauge for composition of Mars. Um, 16 feet down, it'll drill. It'll deploy its tools with an arm uh, and you know, electronic tether, and it has a seismometer to detect very, very sensitive um, just vibrations. They were when they tested it. I believe they had they could detect vibrations on both coasts of the country, so it was that sensitive. Uh, people in the room had to log when they were in the room because breathing would activate it. That's how sensitive it was. Uh, the rocket was an Atlas V, which is a rocket um, made by ULA, United Launch Alliance, which is a competitor of SpaceX. No one said the word SpaceX hmm. when we were there. It's not a reusable rocket, but it is a very standard reliable rocket they've done like 135 of these things all been successful and they launched right on time at 405 a.m saturday morning so uh it's by all you know all accounts a, a very successful standard rocket launch the fact that it's becoming a regular thing that they can rely on and and that it was unremarkable in that sense is exciting because yeah. it it for a really remarkable event yeah. to have it feel unremarkable is pretty yeah. special 
a, a couple questions for you because you're hanging out with a lot of science writers and scientists mm-hmm. down there. Was there one instrument they're more excited about versus the other? Because we have the seismometer on one side and then the, the drill, which gives us a little bit more information on like temperature and history of the Mars. I think the seismometer for sure. That was like the, the primary experiment for this. And they had like a, a shield that they would put over it to protect it from the elements. Uh, but the, the thing that we're unexpectedly more surprised about were these cube satellites, the first interplanetary cube satellites were also put on this rocket. Size of a cereal box, two yeah. of them. Uh, they're called Marco, Marco A and B, and their nicknames, well, I'll tell you how they, why they're nicknamed. They're two satellites that deploy off the side. They will not be on InSight. They're gonna fly next, like around the same path. So they're gonna make the journey by themselves and do about five course corrections on that flight using what's essentially fire extinguisher propulsion. Mm-hmm. So their nicknames- Like Wally. Are Wally and Eva. Oh, awesome. Two of them. They'll be flying together across the solar system. And are they what, uh, when they get to Mars, is what they're doing uh, mostly satellite imagery? No, they're not doing any of that. These are not, uh, Marco is technically not mission critical. So they're proof of concepts to show that cube satellites can be deployed interplanetarily. Uh, What they'll be doing when they get there, if successful, is they'll be uh, part of the deep space network. And whereas Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter needs to get information from all our robots and then beam it all at once, you'll get information a little bit more quicker. And also when the aliens come for us, that, they'll right. be the first things that go you'll down. You'll see they, they, they'll smash right into the alien, the hull of the alien ship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple uh, questions about the launch itself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was foggy. Yep. If you haven't seen the video, you can watch the the tested video on it. What Like what? Tell us about like the feeling. Like, was it excitement? Was it? I think everyone was really tired, right? Mm. So, all the press and the social press. So, the way NASA works is uh, they don't have PR. NASA, as a government agency, does not have uh, a public relations department. They have PAO, public affairs officers, and public. Uh, and so, they grant pr- um, credentials to media, traditional media. You know, broadcasters, uh, television broadcasters, news reporters, and also to social media, NASA social. So they'll identify really smart. Yeah, totally. It's very forward thinking. And these these are same the same PAO people who run like curiosities, Twitter streams, Instagram feeds, which is stuff that's getting a lot of attention. And they get people who are maybe younger and have like great social media followings and give them access to Instagram story. You know, the rocket launch, not necessarily science people. Totally, totally. Um, just people, young people, young and old who are who are interested and have an audience that want to want to share this with. The weird thing is that the social credentialing is different than the media credentialing. So if you're on one track, you don't get to see what the other people see, and if you're on another track, you don't get to see what the other people see. And they sometimes the social gets better access than than traditional media. Uh, thankfully, we were able to. To see most of what we wanted to see, were you social? Um, no, we were traditional media, which gave us like remote camera access and got us out there to see the uh, the tower rollout at 10 p.m. at night. But to answer your question about what the the feeling was, the launch was at 4 a.m. We are all the the two days building up to it, worried about the weather, so already freaking out about that. And we had been out for maybe the full day doing activities for the rollout, the tower rollback, uh, seeing the rocket. And then getting up at 2 a.m. to get on a bus to get to our site t- to watch it. So, a NASA we, bus? Uh, no, military bus. 
but a, like a chartered yes. for you bus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 We because met, you're we, on an Air Force base. Exactly. It's all so we all we you know drove into an empty parking lot in um, Lompoc, the city right next to Vandenberg. Took all our gear, put all our gear on the ground. The military came, the Air Force came by, and had their dogs sniff all our gear. All of that was unloaded onto a bus, and then we bus for 15 minutes. And it was cool to see cars <laughs> parked on the side of the road, people camping out, hoping to see something. And then we were driven into the base about four miles away from the launch site. Super foggy. We waited there for two hours. You couldn't you know, see anything? I mean, we couldn't see anything. We didn't even know what direction. We knew the general direction, but we couldn't pinpoint exactly where we thought the launch pad was. We we're just all pointing our cameras That's in sucks. one general direction. Hoping. But you had set up a camera closer to it. And that, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. So uh, there'll, there'll be a video. There's a, there are two videos in the video about the remote camera setup is going to go up next week. But yes, that was what we got with the media credentialing, which is the opportunity to set up a tripod and a remote camera close to the rocket, very close to the rocket. You'd never done that no. before. No, 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 no. And you shared a photo. I forget if it was online or on Slack, but it was covered in what looked like a trash bag. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I did some research and read about what other photographers and media had done for their remote camera setups. And this is kind of akin to, you know, when photographers go in the field, like wildlife photographers, they'll sometimes leave a camera there for weeks at a time, mm. right, on standby. And, and most modern DSLRs can be on standby for a very long time and activate with a sound trigger or activate with a light trigger and just leave cameras out there in the wild exposed to the elements and that's why a lot of these cameras have, you know, weatherproofing. Um, but when we're talking about a rocket launch, it's not just the morning dew that we're worried about and the, the moisture. We're also talking about potential debris from mm -hmm. a launch. Now, I didn't have no idea, you know, at 200 meters away, what type of debris you get because you read blog posts about people who are at SpaceX launches and got to put their camera 50 meters, like basically right under the launch pad, and their mm -hmm. lenses are just cracked mm -hmm. afterward. And was really cool was to see other photographers who had done these launches multiple times have their custom rigs. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to interview them because everyone was doing their work and busy, and you know this is their living, right? I'm there trying experimenting, but this is they, their photos are the ones that they're going to sell to Reuters and Getty and and the ones you'll see in magazine covers. But they had elaborate like bucket rigs. They had deployable latches that would reveal the, the lens, um, and they were setting up up to like five or six cameras. So their lenses were protected? Yeah. Huh. And not protected with just with like a filter, because if you have a filter, you can get dew between, yeah. moisture between the lenses. They're, they had some encased housing. That would open. That would pop open. The controlled by the same trigger? That... Controlled by another trigger. Wow. Yeah. Did they get any different footage than you with all of those setups given the weather conditions? I followed some of the Instagram accounts of some other photographers, and most, I mean, they definitely got better photos because they're more experienced and their settings were more tuned in. But most people, no one got, like, the, at 6 a.m. when we went on the bus and all got our, our camera gear, definitely people were, like, chatting, like, what'd you get, what'd you get, what'd you get? Because you couldn't what'd even, you get? You couldn't you monitor this from where you were. No. You no. couldn't even trigger the camera from where you were. No, no radio signals, It has no to be phones. autonomous. It has to be work by itself. And so it's, like, it's that tension of excitement of, like, yeah. one, did it work? You don't get that with, di with digital so often. No. It, it was very, like, it was so much uncertainty. And p there definitely were people who were like, ah, oh, I missed the, I, 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 I tw twisted the knob just before leaving it and it changed the setting. And, and like, huh. that was, the, they got no good photos wow. from that one camera. Uh, so it was, it, it was and, and the moment you got off the bus with your camera, and you'll see it in the video, we're running toward the, um, the site and everyone's just like in deploy mode because the clock's ticking. 
And if you, I only have one camera set up, but if you have five cameras set up in multiple locations, you're like, you have an order of operations. Yeah. You're just, you're a robot just doing it and staking your tripod in the ground, you know, putting heat pads around the lenses, uh, all these things. Uh, it was pretty fun. Did you opt for a close-up or a wide angle? A, wi a wider angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't trust the close-up for the focus. Got it. Yeah. Uh, would would you do it again? 100%. Go to a rocket launch? I'd, I'd go tomorrow. I'd awesome. Uh, I have one other quick story, and that's uh, Science Magazine did a interview with David Eagleman, who is a neuroscientist at Stanford, but he also happens to be the science advisor to a small show called Westworld. And they did an interview with him about, you know, everything about how he uh, got the gig to like how he's tried to, to push them. And I think the really interesting place he comes to is this uh, question of like, does embedding the androids, whatever we want to call them, the hosts with memories, does that make them more human in and of itself? And he suggests no, that it's not just memories that do it. Um, but it's their ability to form new memories and have the conflict of what's ha what the old memories tell them with what the new memories say uh, that makes them hum uh, that will make them more human. And he says the most human one, if that that's what they're trying to be, is Maeve because Maeve is the only host that has shown a great deal of conflict uh, in terms of what the internal thoughts are telling her. Uh, we see that at the end of season one, especially. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting because Maeve has not always occurred as the most human to me. Uh, but I think that uh, that question of like, what is it actually like to be human? And his answer being the one that doesn't exactly know what to do hmm. uh, and is most conflicted. Um, I thought that was an interesting take. It's a good interview to uh, to check out to see how neuroscientists think about the show. I'm still on Westworld Blackout until it's all done, and then I'm going to binge it. Well, like the whole, the nothing whole I said is yeah. about... It's a 10-year wait for you. No, I mean the, this season. Oh, the season. Yeah. Nothing I said was about season two. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't watched it yet. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. Okay, Ooh, where do we begin? We recorded early last week, so we totally missed out on discussing the biggest news, perhaps, from F8. I might have argued that this is the biggest story of the week. We could have started here. Uh, Facebook slash Oculus, uh, and they're going to become one and the same. Like, the Oculus name, I feel like, is just going to become a product name and not a company division. Um, Oculus, Facebook showed off their latest prototype for their desktop-based VR headset the same week they released the Oculus Go. And this is called the Oculus Half Dome Prototype, which is the same size and form factor of the Rift, but has several noticeable fe notable features. And weight. And, and same weight, absolutely. Uh, one is a 140 degree field of view. Boom. Because the Rift has 110, yeah. see, mm -hmm. so you got 30 more degrees. Yeah, or if you heard them on the, the panel, 100. That's right. They, <laughs> they, they reduced right. it to 140, which, We've seen wide field of view um, headsets before, like the the uh, Starbreeze one, but those are massive panels, and, Pimax. and I think and Pimax, of course. Uh, this form factor, doing being able to have this wide field of view with this form factor is impressive, um, and I think you're going to need some type of um, 
uh, adjusted rendering, some foveated exactly. rendering to to diminish the uh, the edges, detail and, on the edges, and just better warping and and nice yeah. actual lenses. Yep. I also want to see content that takes advantage of that because we rarely see VR content that takes. I don't think it needs. Puts I think the content the in built-in the, immersion is going to be enough. You think that's the only? I think they can Not use the, the extra space. No, everyone who puts that on feels like they're wearing a scuba mask. And if we, the more we can get away from that, the better. Now they didn't talk about resolution of the panel, but we're assuming you know better than the current panels, better than fourteen forty by fourteen forty, maybe even four K by four K. Well, they mentioned deg- uh, pixels per degree. Sure, right. Sure. Which we're, right now we're at fifteen, and they're saying this will be forty. So four K by four K panels, maybe. Uh, the other thing, probably the more technical achievement in this headset is they have uh, adjusted fo- multifocal planes. Yeah, this is crazy. Uh, um, it's a mechanical setup. Do you see this? Mm-hmm. These are the lenses and the, the panels shifting mechanically closer and away from your eyes depending on the content. So can, can I quickly explain accommodation versus convergence? Yes. So these are the two ways that your eyes focus. Convergence is when your eyes narrow or widen, and that's what that's what you do when you go to see a 3D movie or if you wear VR today. Yeah, that's what creates the 3D effect. But in reality, our eyes do that, and they refocus the lens on our eye itself mm-hmm. based on how far away the object is we're focusing on. So that if you hold your finger up in front of you and close one eye, the background becomes blurry. If you focus on the background, your finger becomes blurry. That can't happen in VR today. Not with fixed lenses and fixed panels. Because your eyes, they, they focus everything at what they call infinity, which is a few meters in front of your sure. eyes. Yeah. But this supposedly will give us both virgins and accommodation in yeah. VR. And the questions are, one, being a mechanical system, how effective it is, uh, and how responsive it is, because it needs to match the content, right? It needs to know that what your attention is 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 uh, an item that's close to you, right? So the content will will determine if you're if you're holding up a UI, yeah. for example, uh, it, are you focusing on the UI? Because there's no eye tracking with this that I could see. This is purely content based. In um, has to be tra- has to be eye tracking. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, and th- there's th- no other way that I could think they could do it. I think if you look, there, you see a ring of of, mm, of LEDs. LEDs. Yeah, so there's yeah. No, in fact, they did demonstrate eye tracking. Just so this is n- eye tracking based. Yes, accommodation. Yeah. Wow, it's got to be. And, but the question is, how could it possibly be fast enough? Yeah, because our eyes focus, our eyes move extremely fast. Mm-hmm. We're talking about milliseconds. Yeah. Yes, and so this thing has to move forward and back. So fast, like yep. a hard disk drive, you know, and constantly be shifting, and constantly, and you know, I, I guess it. There's not a power budget. That's the one thing that they have going for them, right? Because it's plugged in, right? But there's probably a lifespan to mechanics to moving yeah. back and forth all the time, yeah. And who knows how loud that's going to be? The fact that you could, they, they're aiming for the form factor of something we're used to, right? So they're not expanding that, and so that's a lot of engineering. Um, but what are the trade-offs for that? Is, is a trade-off that the you know whatever servos they got for the, that mechanical movement have limited reaction time and torque? Mm. How expensive is that going to be? How are they going to prove this, this in max? Um, none of this is theoretically a make it to a next generation product. This is all in development. Nate Mitchell came out of nowhere after months away from Reddit and posted as much. He said, said, "Don't yeah, expect yeah. all these features exactly. to be in next product." But keen-eyed. Uh, Redditors and uh, VR followers noted that the keynote that Michael Abrash gave in 2016 about his five-year prediction for VR basically matched 
these features, 140 mm-hmm. degree field of view, multifocal uh, adjustment, uh, 4K by 4K panels was his um, his uh, assumption. Yeah. Uh, so, and he, and he, and Eric Volkow, and he has said uh, that his predictions may have been a little un- underestimating because he'd underestimate, he, he talked about the, the- At the time he said that? No, he, he said, said that, that recently. Really? He acknowledged that, oh, at the time, maybe uh, he was not as optimistic as he could have been because of the money and the advances that Facebook has put into VR. Wow. This is exciting. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I've never wanted to try a VR headset more than this one. <laughs> we so many products when we talk about, you know, the Vive Pro or even uh, Pimax, the logical uh, next generation products are wider field of view, higher density displays, eventually wireless. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is going beyond that. This is going. This is a whole different type of experience uh, with the content to match. And they try. They showed a uh, body tracking. That was interesting. So full body tracking, skeletal tracking mm-hmm. externally. Yep. So I, I mean, I assume it's sort of connect-like. Yeah, yeah. Did they address occlusion with the full body tracking? They, well, what they did show was uh, somebody throwing something mm-hmm. and uh, that you saw all three angles and it worked. Like it didn't disappear once it went, went past the headset. You know, Machine learning. You just, might expect. Just got to figure right. out, it's advanced IK. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and also people were posting pictures of what was presumably Santa Cruz with pass-through. People, uh, two users in the Santa Cruz room that oh, they've been demoing in. This is the first time I think the we've game? seen yeah, uh, what the Santa Cruz demo room is. That was that empty white room with the the the, the bit thick, thick black uh, frames that are easy for computer vision to detect, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but playing soccer, which gives us the assumption that there will be some type of optical pass-through. That was not a part of F8. That was just somebody's tweet yeah. who's taking some time off. I don't know if that was approved. Mm. Mm. Interesting. But they also showed hand tracking. Full, um, What what's that IR solution that used to be a puck? You Magic Leap? Yes. It looked like Magic Leap. Same no, thing. sorry, not Magic Leap. Leap Motion. I always do that too. Yeah, yeah. so Leap Motion. Two leaps. Um, where it basically looks like the headset is tracking your hands in front of you and doing great occlusion tracking. Well, Leap Motion's built into the Oculus solution at uh, the Void. So, and that's powerful as long as uh, the latency is there. Even if it's not perfect right now, yeah. just mm-hmm. not having to hold something. But you can't, you, I mean, how do you do both? It's right? a nice addition. It's a nice addition. Right? Have. Like like uh, the Steam Knuckles controllers give you a little bit of that yeah. with the cap sense for where your hands are. And you can release your hands so you don't have to feel like you're holding something. But you still need buttons. And so where is the intermediate between holding something like a touch controller and having hand tracking without having to pick up and put on a controller every time you want to use something? I think you have to have a controller at, at yeah. some point. Wait, so how do you have both? Oculus has, it's just going to support both. That's so my assumption. Oh, that sucks. Like no. some experiences will be like, now now we're playing a, uh, like what was the, the unspoken. And so it has hand tracking. You don't need to hold a controller. Great. But if you want to play a shooting game, pick up your controller and put it on and play a shooting game. Yeah, why what, not? What if you have both? Why, why not? The, the Nintendo had the power glove. Like, you only use that for some, for some apps. The, I want to be able to switch on and off with, seamlessly. Well, you know, you dangle the touches. And right. you just flip, flip them up, up flip yeah. them up, have, have a holster. But I, I do think that there are good use cases for hand tracking, mm-hmm. and they're not obvious. Like, I, the demo they showed of somebody picking up cubes, I think is a bad one, because whenever Haptic, you, and you want, anytime you want haptics, you need a controller. Whenever yeah. you look like you're supposed to feel something, and you don't, that breaks yeah. the illusion. But if I, I think actually, um, what was the magic game that? Unspoken. Uh, unspoken, I think that'd be perfect. Perfect, yep. Just making magical gestures, basically a Doctor Strange simulator. Well, just gestures, right? Like, the touch was able to 
give you gestures, even the go to some extent, based on where your fingers are. Yeah. Here, you have perfectly natural gestures. So even any type of passive immersion, just having the hand presence, being able to make the okay sign, give a thumbs up, you know, without having weight in your hands, uh, yeah, imagine is useful. that combined with eye tracking is going to make social awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to see people's fingers move. Hold on, let me put on the controller and shoot this gun. <laughs> I mean, do you ever think they would ever? Uh, I doubt this, but do you think they'd ever come out with a glove that'll still allow you to have some haptics, some control, but still be fingerless? Or I think that's controller. The, that's, that's the, the dream. dream. That's Ready Player One. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do a glove. I just can't imagine. Oh, the games are going to be made so you have the option for holding a controller to be your pistol or using finger pistols. Pew pews. Yeah. Pew pews. Yeah. They have said that touch style controllers are the default for the foreseeable future. Um, and all of this is coming out of what was previously known as Oculus Research, which has now been rebranded Facebook Reality Labs. Because it's not just Oculus stuff anymore. Sure. They're combining forces with other it also, s- skunk works in Facebook. It's also what Norm said off the top. Oculus is not going to be the brand, you know, probably five years from now. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big news out of the, that we missed last week um, from Facebook's F8 conference. Do you think we'll see this at, the, at Oculus Connect? Oh, uh, Half Dome? Yeah. Yes. I sure hope so. We got it. I think we're going to see, just like we saw, you know, um, Crested Bay uh, a year, a year, a little over a year before Rift came out. I think if we see it at Connect this year, even in, behind closed doors, it means that this is a 2020, early 2020 product. Mm-hmm. I think they're still in a position where they have to keep the excitement for the market high because the the consumer demand hasn't caught up yet. So that's why I think we've seen about seeing Santa Cruz for so long. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they do it at Connect? Anecdotally, do you see a lot of people getting goes? There's definitely a mad rush online and a lot of awareness last Tuesday. I was glad to see billboards. I did not see a single mm. billboard until launch day. And there's two on 101 if you cross the Bay Bridge. There's even a commercial now. That's, yeah, it's not bad. You know, it's, I, think, I still think PSVR does the best VR commercials. Because they have some kind of mixed reality. Yeah. It's showing you that you're you know, basically the Ready Player One experience, putting on goggles and then seeing what the person well, sees. Well, the cut through to the face is great. Yeah. But Oculus Go is more like an Apple commercial. It's not bad. I'm really curious how many they're going to sell. I, from an app developer standpoint, I mean, reach us, reach out to us on Twitter DM or something. Uh, if you're an app developer for mobile VR, what are your metrics? VR, exactly. Is it just even multiples? Is it three times as many users? Twice as many users? I want to know. And we're seeing also a lot of mods out for the Go now. Uh, there's the uh, uh, battery pack that people, USB battery pack, which... It's not a mod, is it? Are I we mean, calling that a mod? If you If you... Attach a battery pack to the back of your head and plug a USB in there. I can consider that a mod. Okay. There's a Thingiverse file that you can use to protect your lenses, and it has also has a, a holder for the controller. That's the thing I want. Um, and uh, people discovered that the – I forget the name of the company. There's a, a, a soft case for your Mavic Pro quadcopter from DJI yeah. that also perfectly holds the Go. I ordered one, and it should be coming today. The, the thing I linked yeah. to you? Yeah. Nice. Yes. So I'll be checking that out. Uh, in other VR news, uh, we reviewed the Lenovo uh, Daydream Mirage. No, sorry. Lenovo Mirage Solo. The uh, I just, Google Daydream. And this is the standalone mobile VR headset from Lenovo in partnership with Google with their WorldSense six-off tracking. Exciting? Kinda. Watch our review. 
Jeremy doesn't have a lot to say about it. We, we say everything in the review. Yeah, it's uh, basically too expensive for the experiences you're going to get. Sixed off makes it comfortable, but it the software limitations really hold it back. You know, if, if you're somebody who throws up without sixed off, check it out. Uh, Bruce... Bruce Wright, I uh, just wanted to point out, linked uh, discovered that case mm. worked, and he's a he's a fan of the show. So oh, I, thanks, Bruce. I, he uh, he mentioned it on Twitter. Very cool. Um, and then any more bits of VR news? Anything anything happened while we were talking on on the podcast today? Yeah, that's typically what happens, right? We're like podcasting hot and then, news, and then I didn't see happen. any VR news, but there is some big tech news that dropped. What's and that, that? Fifty senators signed a bill to force a vote on net neutrality. Yeah. That's happening. Call your senators. It's a red alert day. That's what you're supposed to do today. Not that anyone see after this goes out, they'll probably know what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, what we didn't mention Waymo as a part of the Google event. Waymo is starting public access in Phoenix this year. Yeah, in Arizona, and there must be different legal situations. Because in the video, they literally showed that car driving without somebody behind the wheel. That's their whole pitch, because everyone else has to have someone behind the wheel. No, but what is the legal? Con- I thought that was not legal. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, they, Period. They, they must have shown something successfully. Uh, they showed the same three families, though. They said uh, people. So, right. I, I mean. But in Phoenix, it will have no one behind the wheel. And it looks like you, there'll be pickup locations where you hail a, Wa- what is it, Waymo, and you uh, hop in the backseat, presumably, and you uh, get driven. I know this is a divergent from VR Minute. The one thing I was disappointed not to see, Android Auto. I feel like that stuff is on the cusp. Like all these new, the switch over to electric cars that seems to be coming for for uh, so many, that seems like an opportunity for Android Auto to really step out. We didn't hear anything about them. Yeah. I, I, I use CarPlay all the time. Uh, one last thing, uh, Beat Saber. Beat Saber. Which oh, we Beat reviewed last week. Uh, also already has new content. Well, how about testing this week? Hey, what have you guys been testing? Beat Saber apparently is what Jeremy's been testing. How is it? It's awesome. I, I think it is one of the new classics. I think it's up there with Space Pirate Trainer. I think it's one Whoa. of the new games you show people. It just needs more content. needs more music. Well, guess what? There is a spreadsheet. If you go on Oculus or uh, Reddit slash Oculus, you can find threads with links to a spreadsheet filled with links to modifications that give you 20 songs, like 10 new songs every day. Wow, that's cool. It is a workout, though. It is. I have to say. And they haven't even released the, the modding pack that allows you to do it legit. So they're going to release that, uh, who knows, like Darth any, Vader's any Hill? day now. Are you happy that they released their, uh, the secrets of their algorithm? I think people figured it out. They publicly said, told you, uh, that was the post online, exactly what they're calculating and how to get the multipliers and how to oh, kind of Oh, that it. algorithm. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So what is the secret? You have to cut close to the center. You do. It does you matter do. where you hit them. You do. It does. And how far you continue your swing afterward. After swing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of little things. So people are getting really high scores now. I don't know if I wanted them to release that info. I wanted people I to. I thought you only had to do that for the dot ones. No. I didn't oh. know that. Yeah. You know, I don't. In, you know, I'm not. A, I've never been about high score. I've just been about experience. The experience? Yeah. Yeah. Be it pinball or VR. Mm. So yeah, th- there's a video, a 47 second video on on the Beat Saber Twitter, and they talk about 
um, the swing angle of the cut should be at least 90 degrees for 70-point max. Yeah. What do you mean at least 90 degrees? <laughs> Does that mean like 95 degrees is better score? You should continue moving and make at least 60 degrees angle after the cut will give you an additional 30 points. So after your cut, Uh another 60 degrees outward. Wow. Yeah. You get 10 more points based on how close to the center of the cube you cut. So is it about speed as well? I don't know. I don't think speed. I I always thought it was about speed. See, I like that speculation Yeah. because it's about how you play and how you feel when you play it. Now it's just going to be about points. To me, that's not the point. It's weird that... You can't have a perfect game, isn't it? You can only have the current high score because you can't hit like the perfect ninety degree, the perfect thirty degree afterswing. For depends everything. how how tolerant <coughs> the algorithm is, right? And and how precise they they want to measure that. All I care about is number of misses and the experience doing it. What's your? You've played it, yeah. What's your favorite song? Um, Hundred dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> like song number five is my favorite. Oh yeah, all right. Which one is that one? I forget. I just remember going okay. through the list and before you go to the next page. Have you tried a downloadable song yet? I have not. So uh, what, what's your experience with downloadable songs? I actually, I think you download them and extract them, I, and then they appear in the list. Mm-hmm. But I haven't tried one yet. Okay. But I have what looked online. It's like they're not, some of the beats aren't exactly on, and yeah. every time you hit a cube, it makes a sound effect that works with the default music and doesn't necessarily work with the, the, duck, song. the DuckTales theme. Uh, you know, which is one of the ones you can download. Bom, so, bom, bom, bom. It, so, yeah, it can be a little out there. But I'm glad people are making them. Cool. Any uh, Anything else you guys been testing? Obviously, I'm testing out Android P um, and beta. I'll probably have more thoughts next week when I've had a little bit more time with that. Cool. Uh, I'm testing two things right now. Uh, the Lenovo VR180 camera, which I hopefully have a review soon. This was the device launched alongside the Mirage Solo, but will work with you know any headset. Um, it, was, it has... Stereoscopic cameras, wide-angle cameras, let you take 180-degree 3D video. Um, and honestly, it's been really fun shooting 3D video. Um, and then also, I just got yesterday, long-awaited, a vacuum former from this um, what? Kickstarter project. Or it was a crowdfunding project. It's called Form, Q-U-F-O-R-M. Like a desktop vacuum former? Desktop vacuum former. Assembled it. Uh, I think I don't have the perfect tolerances on the vacuum because it's hmm. not sucking the, the styrene as much as I'd hoped. Um, but That's the, an important component. That, the, the two big components, heating element and the vacuum. The heating element works fine. The vacuum, right now, I'm not getting powerful enough s- sucking. Is the promise of this thing that it integrates well with digital tools? There's a USB port. I don't know. I mean, vacuum port is pretty much down on the device, right? You just yeah. measure, set your thickness of material, your the temperature you want, type of material it is, and run it, let it melt. It's pre-calibrated. You know, as long as you have a database of settings, you're good. Yeah, but it can work well with a 3D printer. You 3D print some bucks in vacuum form. Mm-hmm. I've been testing the TNC 3.16, which is a, a hot... Well, it's not that hot anymore. It's about a year old, year and a half old. It's really powerful microcontroller. Um, and I'm running two different types of LEDs simultaneously. And I'm using, and when you normally, like the nerds out there who do LED stuff, you know when you do NeoPixels, it requires this precise kind of timing and it ties up everything. So you can't do, you can't use interrupts. It stops the system clock. It's a mess. But they have this, these new libraries now that allow you to use NeoPixels without doing that. And it, eats a ton of RAM, but you don't have to, you free up all of your processes and interrupts, and it's awesome. So I'm, I'm running APA 102s and NeoPixels simultaneously in for a product, a, a project that 
I'll get to share with the tested audience later this year. Yep. I'm pretty yeah. excited about it. Awesome. Uh, and that does it this week for This Is Only a Test. It's getting warm in this room, so let's get out of here, get some food. Thank you all for listening. Do we have an outro this week? I like it when you talk about what's coming up. Oh, uh, what's coming up? Well, uh, we Game have Game seven for my Winnipeg Jets is coming up the night you're listening to this. Go Jets, go. Uh, also, on Tested, we are uh, releasing a mini-series that Kishore, Adam, and Indre uh, are part of. Uh, it is meeting a giant Pacific octopus and designing a puzzle for it with the California Academy of Sciences. It's super cool. Really proud of it. It's a four-part series, and the first episode, uh, first two episodes should be out uh, by the end of this week, but you can watch the first episode now if you're a Tested uh, member on Tested.com. Uh, we'll have a bunch of other gear reviews. Uh, there's a Kickstarter project. I got these RC cars that I have a video of coming out soon uh, and a video from the Replica Prop Forum with our friend Dave Goldberg and his latest awesome studio scale prop replica. Um, but you can find all that on YouTube and on the site. Jeremy, we got an outro? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's new. I hate not finding a new one. Well, just an outro is fine. <laughs> this right. one's from? Justin, a.k.a. Speed. Didn't see you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a Pokemon gym. It's not a wizard school. Get out of here, you <laughs> wizards. I'm here catching Pokemon. <laughs> what it says on my map. It's the all right that made that. Yeah, that's funny. You, are we doing it in our favorite oh, yeah. Marvel films? Oh, okay. oh my God, he's the bathroom. All right, all right, let's go. Let's <laughs> you can go. do this. No, so do there's it. 19 MCU movies if you include Spider-Man Homecoming. So we're going to toss out the bottom. Let's agree. Incredible Hulk, Thor 2 and Thor 1, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, and Iron Man 2 and 3. Oh, my God. Those are the ones we're throwing out as being part of the bottom. Okay. Winter so, Soldier. So number one for you is Winter Soldier? Yep. I might say Infinity War. I don't know. It's great. Like it, I've never felt this how, like, jazzed about Marvel. How, how are we going to do this? Are we each, each listing top five? Yeah, top five or six. Something okay, like so that. Okay, so let's Jesus. not top start. Top tier. All right. I'll go, I'll go first. Winter Soldier. Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Avengers 1. Guardians. 1. 1. Age of Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron. Controversial, I know. Age of Ultron belongs in the bottom third. All right, no one cares what I think because I, I don't actually study this stuff. I care what you think. But I'm going to start with, let's go with Black Panther because it's- Black Panther oh, 1. Oh, shoot. Oh, damn it. Uh, then, damn it, damn it, damn it. I'm going to say- I swap out my Guardians for Black Panther. Infinity War, original Avengers. I don't, you know, that. oh, I'm going to throw Doctor Strange in. No one gives that movie any love. That movie is spectacular. And- that's all I have to say. I am a uh, Winter Soldier, one, Avengers original. Mm. Then I, I've sort of switched it up now. Now I feel like it's Infinity War, Ragnarok, Black Panther. Ooh, solid as top my five. T- as my top five. Super solid top and five. And then it gets like a little confusing for me because I'm a, I, I, I think Spider-Man Homecoming is not getting enough a lot yeah. enough credit for a, how- It's in the bottom good 10. It, that's it's, good. It, bottom it, five for top 10. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a tier two movie yeah. for me. Why does everyone love Winter Soldier so much? Um, because it's like, a, it's a great, if you like spy movies, it's it's a perfect genre movie for that. Um, it's 
it's focused from like what the story it tries to sell. Um, I would say like the the a- there's action there, there's good story. It's, it's funny at points, mm. um, and it has um, I think it has Chris Evans' best performance. Hmm. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with all those best action too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Age of Ultron does not get enough credit. Age of Ultron. I I rewatched that. It the it doesn't build to that payoff at the end, and it's just basically a swarm of robots. Yeah, I'm with you on finding that. people is oh. is ridiculously dumb. James Spader's voice was awesome in that movie. I predict my fifth movie will be Captain Marvel. Mm, I think they got to lose this. It's hard to watch the original ones. Like Thor, the original does not. Yeah, hold I down. I watched that recently. I thought it was all right. It was, it was it's all right. right. It was much better in my head when I first watched it. Hmm. Iron Man, the original, though, holds up a lot better. I haven't watched that in so long. All right. Maybe it's time. All right. Thanks for listening. Let us know what your top five Marvel movies are, MCU movies, out of the 19 that have been out so far. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Brilliant. Bye.